Welcome back to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast. Before we get into our PGA Championship preview with Brendan Porath and Kevin Van Valkenburg, let's talk about our PGA Championship sponsor, Greater Than Sports Drink. Greater Than is the best way to stay hydrated in the August heat. So far, it's been loved by readers of the website and listeners of the podcast that have given it a try. To try it out for yourself, visit drinkgt.com and use the code THEFRIEDEGG with no spaces to get 20% off your first order. That's drinkgt.com. And now, without further ado, here's our PGA Championship preview. I miss a green, for example. I'm already upset. When I find my ball in the bunker, I'm really upset. And when I find my ball in a fried egg. Fried egg. The dreaded fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg lie. I'm about ready to run off the golf course. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast. We are here to preview this year's PGA Championship with SB Nation's Brendan Porath and ESPN's Kevin Van Valkenburg. Guys, welcome on. Andy, uh, thanks for having me. Good to be back. I, I, I tend to think of my uh, partner, my guest partner here more as like a Lou Gehrig stepping in for Wally, Wally Pip. You know, we may never see uh, our old friend Sean Martin again. I thought about doing the entire podcast in a Sean Martin impression, a Sean Martin voice, but that would be, I like that's a committing to a bit that I'm not sure I could quite uh, live up to. Yeah, to, to clarify for the listeners, our regular uh, preview and recap uh, guy, Sean Martin, he is he's out on vacation this week. And it, it begs the question, I've, I've often wondered if Smartin was the smartest person in golf and does skipping the 2018 PGA signal more about his intelligence, or is this just a coincidence? I think I, you know he's in a, he's in the spot where the uh, company he works for has a busy schedule upcoming, and this seems this is not the company he works for, so it's a suitable time to take a break. I'm sure, he would uh, he would if he were here. He would want you to know the FedEx Cup playoffs are just as big of a deal as the PGA Championship, and maybe more so. So, definitely you know. the players. The players is definitely a bigger deal. <laughs> I will say the highlight of my family vacation last week was uh, pretending I needed to make a run for coffee for 15 minutes and using it as a reason to just drive around for an hour to keep my sanity and listen to your podcast <laughs> last week on uh, on the way you guys would change golf. That was a fantastic uh, and entertaining debut on the fried egg for Kevin. It's just uh, you know, it's like a f- author writing his first book. You just pour everything you have into your first your first novel. Yeah. Now you're uh, you're the quickest repeat guest of all time. Wow, that's uh, that's amazing. <laughs> I uh, I gotta say, I love the it's a clutch move, the pretend to get coffee move on the family vacation part. That's, <laughs> I've used that many times myself. Oh, I got a little lost. I had to go to they had to ran out of coffee at the first one. Yeah, it was just like twenty five miles farther away than I thought. So. Oh, well. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, PGA this week. What are you guys? Uh, you guys excited? What do you? What do you? What are you looking forward to? Well, I'm going to be on site in sweaty St. Louis 
uh, I've been trying, I've been begging Porath to join me, but I think he's, he's never given me a definitive no, but you know, I'm pretty sure he's not going. So, uh, it's going to be me and Kyle Porter among others sweating it out down there. I think Andy's uh, going. I'm coming down tomorrow. Are you? Quick, Exciting. Quick, quick, uh, quick visit. Maybe, maybe going back the weekend. I don't know. We'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm committing to tomorrow, at least. Devin, I, I'm kind of disappointed you're not there already. Right, pounding out thousand word columns on the uh, Clydesdales delivering the Wanamaker Trophy. <laughs> the one thing I've learned covering the majors is the like three day buildup to the majors <laughs> and writing a thousand word columns every single day. Is not the way to go do majors. The best way to cover majors is to get in Wednesday night and just just write about the actual golf. And then for Andy's purposes, what are you the opposite, right? You go scout the course. Yeah. Get get your content and then watch take those learnings and apply them to watching from home. No? Yeah, I'm I'm the opposite. I'm a I'm a I'm a early week guy. Taking the early week takeaways and applying them to the to the weekend watching. You know, relating to the uh to the everyday uh, guys sitting at home watching on the telecast. But yeah, you know, walk walk the pins, like just you know where he thinks the Sunday pins are going to be, and check them with his uh, his compass, to make sure that this is accurate. Yeah, yeah. I, I, well, I, I definitely want to get a get a feel for for what kind of uh, what kind of heat they're going to be dealing with. And and Lou Brown actually asked, uh, we've got a special segment here. We've got Gary Player calling in to describe this week's forecast and what players are going to deal with from a weather standpoint in St. Louis. Andy, thank you very much for having me on the Friday podcast. As you know, I conquered Bill Reeve once far long ago, and it was just as hot and sweaty and disgusting as it will make me this week. So what I expect is a lot of swamp ass, and a lot of guys who are big and brawny hitting the ball very far. Oh, thanks, Gary. That was uh, that was a real treat. Yeah, <laughs> uh, should be uh, should be something else. I mean, it, last year's PGA was much of the same with uh, with the weather down in uh, in Charlotte in August, and uh, this year will have probably a couple uh, rain delays and a really soft course. Um, in terms of uh, you know, there's all kinds of storylines. I was I was doing a piece of putting together all of them, and I was uh, I was wondering what player do you guys think has the most to gain from a PGA win? Hmm. I'm gonna have well, to defer to Porath here because I got mine in mind, but I will let yeah, him. we may double up here. Okay. I mean, well, I think. Um, I think, uh, from like practically speaking, wouldn't wouldn't the answer be Jordan Spieth? Ooh, yeah. I, like I that. mean, like, I obviously like if he doesn't win, like, there's not a big loss. But if he if he does win, I don't know. I feel like that's a pretty big launching. In like, I, who who gains more? I mean, I don't know. Tiger. Yeah, all of a sudden, Jordan. Major, said, that's think, that's a great question. That's a great answer because then not only does Jordan have as many majors as Rory. But he also has the career Grand Slam, uh, and his entire season, the worst of his career, has been a huge success. Yeah, yeah, I think like the the probably the default answer. I mean, what first percent I guess Ricky, but um, I just because whatever it just changes a lot of the narrative around him right now. But yeah, I think like when you phrase it as most to gain, 
Uh, I think it's Jordan Spieth has the most to gain out of winning this PGA. I was going to answer something way lamer, like Kyle Stanley or like Patrick Cantlay, like a guy suddenly like a an elite ball striker, like taking themselves to the next level. But Porat's answer was like so much better than mine that I'm just embarrassed that I threw those out instead. <laughs> I think that's the fascinating thing with this one. You could make a case for like almost probably like 10 players in the field. Like you got Tiger. Tiger would complete like the greatest sports comeback Sure. In recent memory, with a win, mm-hmm. Phil would become the second oldest guy to ever win a major. Um, you'd have like, you know, I, I think Dustin Johnson. That's a, a big question. Is like, is twenty eighteen a disappointment for DJ without a major? I mean, I go back and forth with DJ so much that, you know, are we overrating majors? Like, it's obvious that DJ is like you know, an amazing player. What if he were to win another 15, 20 tournaments and have 40 wins and only one major, would his career be a disappointment? Like, I don't know. Like it, it would seem ridiculous that DJ, if he got like 30 plus win and 35 wins would be mentioned in the same breath as Davis love and Fred couples who are going to finish, you know, with 11, 12 wins and one major, like, but that's the way that majors kind of, end up sort of measuring people right dj doing the uh he do the summer the summer triple with uh tpc southland glen abbey bell reeve it's like you know starberry putting up like triple doubles <laughs> on a 25 win knicks team you know it's but a little like I said, stats. it's a little bit depressing that we were like rooting the end of Firestone and yet it's gonna it's gonna go to TBC Southwind next year for the the Bridgestone. Like we're the guys are gonna hit wedge in every hole. Every hole. It's uh yeah. it's like uh I don't know if it's an upgrade. Yeah. I, I wanna talk do you want to talk about can we talk about that that WGC for a sec? Yeah, yeah. Sure. It was it was brutal, wasn't it? I mean it was boring. Yeah. I think like part of it is the course which you have illuminated so well for people over the last few years andy um but like i think another part of it is like the wgcs are just kind of eating their own like it's like everyone's getting too fat and rich to the point where like the golf is not compelling like i I just think like what is the incentive to like there's obviously there's strategy involved in the golf course but there's also some in, in the golf course you play but i think there's also some strategy involved like there's a strategy taken out of it when everyone just makes a cut and everyone's guaranteed fifty grand and like yep. everyone that's already in the field is kind of set for life. Like you know, is already kind of you know the rich and the fat of the you know living off the living, walking in high cotton, whatever the whatever the bad metaphor you want to use is. Like I just I think like there's a lack of interest. The players are kind of they're lethargic about it. Yeah, and think of going from Firestone. The TPC Southwind the week exact like right after the open, like you think guys guys are going to be just showing up to collect checks and get the hell out of there. Yeah. There's like three or four guys who are maybe trying to play on Sunday, and that's it. I, I amazing would, stat. I would say that, that we were talking about. Go ahead, Andy. No, oh, I would say that the WGCs are are the most disappointing thing in golf at this point. You get the best players together right now, and they play a Muni in Mexico, 
They play a cool match play tournament at a at a pretty cool course. They play TPC Southwind now moving forward, and then they play you know a terrible golf course in China that barely anybody shows up to. You know that's that's just it, the world deserves better when the top seventy golfers all come together. I will say yesterday, I think one of the things that's been lost in all the golf course hate, and I'm probably a chief offender of the golf course hate, is like is how unbelievably good Justin Thomas is and how he just, he was playing a different golf course than everybody else in the field. And if uh, I did all this number crunching and, and I, I was looking at top tens and I started this because I wanted to look at Ricky Fowler specifically, like top tens compared to wins, you know, long-term over time. And, and I found that Justin Thomas has 10 wins and 24 top tens in his young career. He's at like 37.5% of the time he's in the top, like versus top 10 and win, he wins, you know? So it tells me that when he's at his best, he's probably better than everybody in the game of golf right now. Obviously, the all-time high guy is Tiger, and he's at 66%, which is absolutely nuts. It was I, Am I wrong, though, in the funnest part of watching JT in the whole tournament was when he would get into trouble and when he'd hit like, ridiculous shots from you know i think he curved a wedge with a ball below his feet like you know 20 yards in the air out of the bunker and then that that shot where he hit in the other fairway uh on friday i think and and then curved it back towards like those are the kind of things that i want to see from jt because that's what makes golf fun and he when he's playing well he just is murdering a drive right down the middle and then like hitting an unbelievably towering iron to the green and making putts like it's it's amazing but it's like kind of boring to watch over and over again and i don't know why maybe like some of when rory was doing that was seemed a little more compelling but maybe just seeing so much of it now that i'm numb to it like i was getting all kinds of hate from jt fanboys uh about about pointing that out when actually i really like justin thomas like he's one of my favorite players to watch but it also just i want to be see him like use the full display of all of his skills all the arrows in his quiver like we talk about you know that rory can hit like all those different kinds of shots but why would he learn why would he sort of hone them and sharpen them because the courses are set up so he doesn't ever really have to unless he gets into trouble yeah i yep i i just think like as bad as yesterday kind of yesterday should have had so much more juice given the leaderboard we had and i just think like next year we're overlooking the impact like the WGCs just lack uh, like player enthusiasm for it. And I think next year going from Royal Put- Port Rush to Memphis, <laughs> um, it's going to be, you know, you think, you think there's, there's going to show up, cast their check and Sunday's going to lack a little more, even more sizzle. Do you think there's a red eye from, uh, <laughs> what is it? What's the airport that they have to fly into to Port Rush? Probably uh, Belfast. Belfast to Memphis. <laughs> the regular, regular red eye there. Yeah. The most amazing CSAT that we saw one of our friends put together is Ricky Fowler has played in 27 of them. He has zero wins and has made $4.3 million. <laughs> so he, like, Arnold Palmer made like a million dollars his entire career. Like, the fact that, like, it, obviously the money is way different, but that's nuts to think that that's, that's a great example of how. The WGCs are just a money grab, like cash out. Like you, yeah. Ricky Fowler's probably had some like top tens in there, obviously, but 
He never won one, and he's made an obscene amount of money, like four times as much money as Greg Norman made in his entire career. Another just thing, WGC. So another thing that bothers me, and I, I started thinking about this, and I couldn't get it out of my head last night, is, is all right, so they, they PGA Tour has to know that Firestone is somewhat of a boring golf course, right? But they've set the golf course up the exact same way for the last 15 years. Like, no variation in setup. Like, they have four par threes that all of them are between 185 and 220 yards. But every day, they set them up that distance. Like, you can play a forward tee. You can make one of them 120 yards one day. Like, that would be fun. Like, the 16th hole, like, move it up one day. Make it reachable for everybody one day. Like, that would actually be a somewhat interesting shot where people would have to decide whether to go for it or not rather than just having, you know, people lay up all day long. Like, how come the PGA Tour never changes setup day to day? when they go to the same golf courses every single year and they set them up the exact same way. Like, like how does this, like, am I, am I crazy or is this crazy? I think it's spot on. I, I want to like a deep dive into who, like who's doing the setups each day. Like, is it, you know, I don't know who is the PGA tour setup people. Do we know anything about any of them? It's uh, uh, Mark Russell and Slugger white. Yeah. It's those, the guys you see come riding into carts to administer, you know, rulings and things on the. I team. think uh, here's what I think is a uh, here's a take, is that because the players are so powerful, it's the it's like what we saw at the Baron Nelson. They're afraid to piss them off. Right. They're That's, afraid to say like, well, screw it, I won't come to this thing if you set this up hard. Whatever, I want it to be what it normally is because they would whine and whine and whine and complain if it was something that was abnormal and you know what like i understand it they're they're used to what they're used to nothing there's no incentive for them to want to change they don't want to look bad they want to just be comfortable so much about being golf is being comfortable and so that's what how it is it just it's a cycle that feeds itself over and over right right i think like um andy like you're not crazy this is crazy but i think we lose sight of who the constituents are like at the end of the day like the tour answers to the players, like Roger Goodell answers the NFL owners, and that's just how it works, you know. So, uh, yeah. in in some sort of attempt to get this this train back on the tracks, you know, we we we're supposed to talk about the beautiful city of St. Louis and a major championship in St. Louis and the PGA. What if you know Brooks Kepka had a great week at, at Firestone despite putting horribly, and looking at the golf course. I, I really think that somebody that absolutely bombs the ball is going to win this thing. There's really thick rough, and the golf course sets up well for guys that hit it far and high. If Brooks Kepka wins, he'll have won three of the last five majors he's played in, and he will only have one PGA Tour win in his career. Like, Does that say something about the PGA Tour setups, or is it more about Brooks Kepka and majors? Just a uh, Brooks Kepka is just a big game hunter. I, I think it. I think it says more about Kepka, in my opinion. I mean, like he's got the game to win on the PGA Tour and PGA Tour setups. No, I mean, I think it. Like, of course, I, I think it just shows he kind of turns it on, cares more, you know, and turns it on, realizes his full potential, 
at on like the biggest stages and at the most toughest toughest and challenging venues and kind of I think it says more about Kepka that he has that he ha- that Ricky is has lower odds than he does is kind of a an injustice almost a crime you know Ricky's eighteen to one and Brooks is twenty to one. How much I, like, how much Mark money do you think that like the they get on Ricky like Ricky's made Vegas so much money from like a lot of like just lame fish betting on Ricky who don't know anything about golf. I bet the Rick has made DraftKings like five million dollars himself. It's I'm I'm in this uh like this majors pool with my buddies and a lot of them are like buddies from college and we're where there's thirty two guys and it's a snake draft every year, right? Uh or for every major and the WGC match play. That's why there's thirty two. So all sixty four guys get picked. And anyway, so I had like the eighth pick this this uh this time around and it started today and like I was on a, a text chain with a couple of my buddies that are, you know, big golf fans and we're like at pick six and Justin Thomas and Brooks haven't been picked yet. And and like people were losing their minds, you know, like on this text chain, like how is Justin Thomas still not been picked? So <laughs> Justin Thomas ended up going seven and I got Brooks at eight and, it, and it's just crazy. I mean, Tiger got picked ahead of him. I mean, I think like Spieth obviously is having a bad year, but Fowler got picked number three. And, and it's just like, this is, it's kind of crazy. It's just, but this, it gives you a lens into the public opinion of these golfers. Is, here's what I think Rick's projection is. And Porath knows this because we were texting about it. I think Rick's going to get his like Sergio major, like when he's almost 40 and that's going to be it. Like he and everyone like, oh, finally, like Ricky's Fowler's fulfilled. He's a major champion, and but that'll be it. Like we, all you will think about is like all I'll think about is all the majors he could have won. That's what I think about with Sergio. Sergio could have won like seven majors, and he has he'll, he's probably going to end up with one. His game is trending in a bad direction. That's I when I think about it, that's why I did all this number crunching. I, I put it all on Twitter with uh, Ricky. Is like his career looks a lot like Paul Casey's. Not Sergio won twenty percent of the time that he was in in contention. You know, if you if you look at it that way, like that's like a a win rate you see with a lot of the superstars. Ricky is at eleven percent. Paul Casey's at twelve. So to me, Ricky's not even. I I I mean, I don't know. We keep wanting to put him into this generational talent bucket, but to me, he's more of like a. He's a player that was like a really good player of an era, not yeah. a great player of an era. Yeah. Well, it's, I think stats, stats don't lie, baby. Yeah, I'm not, I think, I'm not the biggest uh, stat guy either. Thing, real quick. I do think that there is some merit to the idea that uh, you're, if you're the kind of player who has to make like, you know, 20 birdies in a week, Kepka might just be like, yeah, I'm kind of out on that golf. Like, so... Some of those courses are going to set up, you know, it's like if a guy like Kepka might say, like, I want it to be hard. I want it to be sort of, you know, I, I can muscle it out of the rough where other guys can't. And so maybe that maybe that's why majors would sort of set up better for him. Like, it, it's just the tour is too easy for him, for one, for hold his interest and for two to not like level the field, like raise the difficulty and like a really strong, really good player might rise to the top. So I was thinking about this today when I was looking at these numbers and thinking about Kepka and the PGA Tour and 
I don't want this to be taken out of context. It, it easily can be like, but I found this comparison and I, I'm not sure exactly if it's right on. And obviously like they're all athletes in both scenarios and great athletes, but is the PGA tour to golf? What is to what the WWE is to Olympic wrestling? Oh, that's a take. I don't know. Oh my God. I mean, that's basically calling the PGA Tour a farce. Like, it's just not. Like, I, I just, I think, like, I think high-level amateur golf, like the the summer circuit these kids play high-level amateur golf, plays A, better golf courses that test your games more and are set up more towards, like, what championship golf really is versus what the PGA Tour plays week in, week out. I mean, they're not playing high-level amateur golf at 7,400 yards, right? So I mean, like some a, of them some of them are. Okay. Like, well, I mean, I, 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 my knowledge of the high-level amateur golf is roughly zero, so uh, I'm going to have to defer to you. I, guess, but, I, I, I don't know. This, this getting, is something I thought. Like you're getting back to your point about I think this is kind of all getting back. Like, there's a theme in this entire pod, the front half of this pod about WGCs kind of eating their own and setups, like, are like beholden to the constituents that are the players. It's kind of like this. I don't know. It's it's a very like closed door party that it's the way they want it to be. Of course, there's access. You can get a card, and you can you know you play well enough, you get there. But like. It's more or less a closed system, and it's not a closed system, but it, it's it's the party that they want to throw, and it's kind of exclusive, and it's the way they want it to be. It's it's how they want the birdie fests, courses they want, the way they want it set up, and it just yields a kind of golf that maybe we don't like. And I think that's getting back to everything, just the WGCs being too, like just seeming lethargic and, and people disinterested and. You know, the, uh, no variety in courses or setups. I, I just, I, like, it's they, the players are the constituents. There's not an over, there's not, I mean, you don't need to be, we've we've seen, like, you don't need to be, like, an adversary. Like, like USGA is in, in an adversarial posture with the players. The RNA is, is not. It's not an antagonistic posture. But, like, they're also not, you know, uh, beholden in part, part with and parcel with the players like the PGA Tour is. So, like, I, I think like the PGA Tour is the way it is for a reason, and I, and I, I don't think like we're the only ones that are complaining. And like the people who are throwing the party have it set up exactly how they want it. I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna go in on Annie's take though on the WWE thing. Here's <laughs> here's where I'm gonna go. So, if if that's true, then like. Tiger is essentially like the rock, like the biggest superstar that the WWE has ever produced or whatever. All right. And so if you have a charismatic superstar, it covers up all of your other ills. And so when the rock then sort of left the WWE, which I don't follow it that close. So there was a lot, there was like a void of like, well, who's going to be like our star? Like, I think a lot less people, you know, maybe were plugged in and cared about the WWE. And so, they needed to sort of evolve and like develop other superstars or whatever. And I think that the risk that you run is, is if you, if you think that one person is going to carry you and make up for all of your, uh, you know, so sort of deficiencies, 
then when that one person leaves, does you run the risk of a lot of people being like, well, actually, this isn't that fun. Actually, this is kind of lame. Like that one guy made it seem more fun, which was the truth of Firestone for a long time. And then when it wasn't, it was like the the sheet had been pulled back, and all of a sudden everyone's like, "Ugh, I don't want to watch this." And that's what I fear that like I don't think that the majority of golf fans right now are disinterested in the PGA Tour, like we are in the sense of like we're a little bit frustrated with the sameness to it. But I think there, there's a potential tipping point that maybe we're sort of ahead of the curve and saying like if you don't change up some things, then you run the risk of all of a sudden people being like, "Man." I just this is boring. I don't want to. Now the Tigers retired. I find this exhausting. Belatedly, I, I don't know if you saw Tiger and Phil are looking at making this thing kind of a series with multiple players and two man games. I don't know. If you saw that report today. This magic. I, did not. Oh. I didn't this, see that either. Out there, you know, maybe a competing product somewhere down the line. No. I mean, the fact that they're putting it at Shadow Creek is kind of fun to me. That's a course that no one ever sees. So. You know, at least uh, at least it'll be a different look for things. Yeah, like Foz. that Foz. I mean, yeah, it, sure. I, I'm not the biggest Foz fan, but like, yeah, it's actually interesting because I w- I will be excited to see Shadow Creek and PGA Tour pros play it. Just like, I mean, like I think about the PGA Tour schedule, and after the majors, I would say that Riviera is the best event. Yep. And yeah. Like to me, it's it it's not a surprise that it's played at the best golf course that they play four rounds at every year. You know, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I was thinking today to get us back to the PGA is just kind of like the fatigue of the whole like PGA Tour season. Do you remember when we were at Riviera and like the announcement came out that Tiger, Rory, and JT were all playing together? Like I like gasped. I like dropped my phone. I was like, oh my god! Like this is, and I you know I'm in the whatever i follow this for a living and like i don't know i can be jaded about it but like that literally like stirred my emotions i was like this is amazing this is so great like they're playing again this week i'm just like eh. you know it's like the, just the season the grind of a pga tour season obviously we've now been able to watch tiger play a full season so it's just i don't know it just lost the super group thing lost so much sizzle compared to that riviera announcement do you, do you think that um the move to May then because of that fatigue and that, that season long thing is a good move for the PGA. I, I think in that respect it is, I, I think overall, I think like the PGA tour kind of pulled one over on them. Uh, I, I think like, I, I think in that respect it is like they could maybe kind of push wedge their way into some sort of new identity and, there's much more enthusiasm and anticipation around it <clears throat> falling in May. But again, like there's a lot of other sports going on and a lot of other like competing indus- interests more than just like preseason football. So I, I, I think like in that respect, <laughs> from our very narrow point of view, like the PGA might, there might be more enthusiasm and anticipation around it. But overall, I, I don't love the move. I think it'll be It'll make the PGA to me feel more relevant because uh, it will, you know, when we have two majors in that, that there's a possibility that someone could win two majors and be going for the third at the US Open, which has never haven't happened really in our lifetime. And, you know, the, uh, having the best major, the British, you know, be the final major of the year would is I think also kind of fun. But 
Porth, I just want to call back to remember when at Riviera when we walked and we walked with the Penn State truther guy who was there to see Tiger, uh, which was the most bizarre random media sighting. Uh, oh. that, that guy who writes all the like Joker was framed stuff. <laughs> and he was that's the most bizarre like random uh, media person sighting ever. That's how big of a draw Tiger was. It brings out the truthers. That that I mean that was crazy. There was like eighty people following Tiger, eighty media people following Tiger that week in that group, which on a Thursday morning. I re- remember how packed that just the whole like crowd was on a Thursday morning. Like that doesn't usually happen, which uh, which is surprising. I think the other thing is that gives uh, the schedule a little bit of benefit is like the cadence of it. Like so, you have the the biggest. I, the biggest non-tour event, which is the players, in in March, and then you, one month later you got the Masters. One month later you have the PGA. One month later, like it puts it on a regular schedule. Um, but that being said, like going up against the NHL and NBA playoffs, not not good at all. I don't think, I don't think it's going to do anything for the general fatigue we feel about the playoffs either. I mean, just because the playoffs are now in August and not going up against football. Like, I think, like, eh, we're still just going to be kind of burnt out by then. You know, it's like guys playing for $10 million purses. And, people you know. people going to their, their lake house, you know. Yeah. It's All a, right, here's a question for you. <clears throat> what would be the three ideal PGA May courses then? If we have new courses in play and you can set up moving forward and, and anything is in play as long as it can have the actual tents and all that stuff, what would be the ideal three courses that you would want it to see that? Um, Riviera. Okay. Um, LACC. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then, uh, I guess, I guess we'll go yeah. with, uh, I don't know. I, I wouldn't mind seeing Chambers Bay. Yeah. Chambers. I just I just put them all on the West Coast. Like, yeah. Like I'm. Like, I don't want to go. I don't want Kiowa. Okay. I don't want. I don't want anything in Dallas, other than like Trinity Forest. Okay. I don't. I, or Texas, for that matter. Like. Yeah. Um. Sorry, Texas. I'm gonna get a lot of emails about that. Um. Florida, like nothing really does it for me. It's not Seminole is not going to be open in the doors. Uh, Georgia, there's nothing in there that's going to host, you know, a PGA. Like I don't want to see it at East Lake. Do you guys? No. Um, I just I, I think one of the track with Riviera, LACC. I mean, that's those are two. I mean. As bad as it sounds, like I mean, that's I would I, I if it was at Riviera every year, I'd be like thrilled. That would never happen, um, yeah. and it would cannibalize the the Genesis Open. But it would be the best case scenario. Go back to Salihi. Uh, Salihi. <laughs> Salihi. That's right. It's not getting uh-huh. pronounced. Right. It's been so long. What's the deal there? That they just don't have any enough room. It was like it played like sixty-seven or something back then. Well, tight. Little well, tight, it's real tight with the big tall trees. I've walked that once for like a buddy of mine was covering like junior am thing there, and so he walked it. And uh, man, the trees were beautiful. It was, you know, I know a lot of anti-tree sentiment on this podcast, but <laughs> we'd ha- we'd have to we'd we'd have to restock tree management shirts that we, you know, had to be, I'd be out there giving them away. 
after hearing about the Firestone uh, Dutch Elm disease uh, incident over uh, by CBS, I think you need shirts that say "Support Dutch Elm Disease." <laughs> it's uh, that one might Three go too far. <laughs> too far. <laughs> and people people don't realize I was an environmental science major. I love trees. I just don't love them on golf courses. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I love. Honestly, I think Chambers got a bad rap in in the way that uh, it sort of played out there. And I want to. I think eventually they got to go back to Chambers, and give him another shot. You know, I, whether it's in May or whatever. Somebody said something about um, a idea of like giving it all the modern. I can't remember who, and I apologize for that. But like all modern major, all modern major hosts as the PGA's thing. You know. Yeah. yeah. And the problem, but this is the other problem with the May date, like. It's going to be really interesting next year with Beth Page because, like, there weren't like leaves on trees in the beginning of May. Like, and it's not about like the weather. Everybody's like, oh, well, the average high is 65 or 67 or whatever it is, the date. It's about like the amount of time you have to grow grass and actually have healthy grass that's ready for a major championship. And I think that's one of the, one of the problems is with the, date change you eliminate you know the the un you know the unpopular real dilemma with golf is that the majority of the best golf courses in the country are located between you know Pennsylvania Philadelphia and north east of there like that's where all the great golf courses are for the most part the midwest has a lot of great ones too but that one's out of the out of it with the date change also like you know, Oakland Hills is no longer a potential host with this date. Inverness in, in Ohio isn't a host. Uh, anything in Chicago can't host in, in May and have like really good agronomic uh, conditions. And when you think about championship golf, those are where all the great courses are. So it leaves you with the West Coast and the Southeast. Yeah. So it's, I don't know, it's, this is, uh, we're talking about future PGAs and not, not uh, the one at hand. <laughs> I will say, I will say that uh, that's one thing I appreciate about this one is like, and this is a very um, peripheral concern and not, you know, germane to what you what you cover, Andy. Is like, it is good to go to a market like this that probably doesn't get pro golf. Now, I understand the course may not be up to snuff, but I, like, I thought it was like it looked like the crowds were pretty pretty good for Monday and like. I think people there are fired up about it. And, you know, St. Louis, I think, is a fine enough sports town. And um, <clears throat> I think that's, like, good to have a pro golf tournament going to the middle, the very middle of the country into a market that hasn't had anything in 20 years or more. I, I agree. Look at what happened when the Solheim Cup went to Cedar Rapids. Yeah. 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 Or was it Des Moines? It was Des Moines, yeah. right? I think that's right. I mean, it, I mean it's, it happens when they go to that marathon event the women lpga in toledo or you know arkansas like people get into these events if it's like their hometown event pro pro sports event especially markets that don't usually get big events sure am i correct in remembering that when gary player won in in bell reeve and whatever it was that that gave him the career grand slam and he had it before nicholas is that i think i read that a year before that blew my mind when I uh, that I was like really like Gary Player got the career grand slam before technicals like you know I, I think of them 
Gary's a little older, and so I just think of them as sort of contemporaries. Uh, but still, that well, that's kind of a neat piece of history there. It was like yeah. only the third guy or whatever to do it at that point, or fourth guy. So. I think there's only one real fix to this whole problem with the PGA. Okay. It needs to go back to match play. Go back, uh, embrace uh, their their history. All right, so bear with me. Sunday's going to stink, but Sunday stinks for the PGA right now. You know, yeah. every day stinks right now for the yeah. PGA, like in comparison to the other majors. All right. Yeah. But if you made it like 36 holes of qualifying, yeah. uh, stroke qualifying, and then you cut it to the top 32 and you do match play in, you could make an argument that if, if you did 36 holes on, on, uh, on Saturday, where it was the round of eight to the four to the finalists, that yeah. that Saturday and Friday would be the two best days of major championship golf of the year. Yeah, it would you, be. You went from having the four worst days to two of the best days. Like, that's a huge win. Yeah, I agree. I think that play, it would be exhausting to play 36 on Saturday or whatever, right? Like, I mean, they do it, I guess, anyway for the match play, so it's not like... It's totally foreign to them. And they're not carrying their bags, so why not? Yeah, let's do it. They're moving yep. it into May. I mean, it's less like they're not coming right up fire sound and doing all that stuff anymore. I don't know. Give them carts. I don't give a shit. Give them something. You know, them push carts. It's it's just the most simple, easiest fix they they have is how, and, and like how is there not a match play major? It, there's a reason the PGA was a match play tournament from the start. Variety, yeah. you know. Yeah. Like <laughs> you've got your invitational. You've got your big U.S. championship. You've got your yeah. big uh, championship of like you know the British Islands, and then you have your match play championship. It makes so much sense. It really does. Change. Go ahead. Do we know what year did it change? Uh, like nineteen seventy, I want to say. There's there probably sports writers were behind this. They bullied uh, the, the PGA into turning it into. Uh, it was probably like I don't know. I'm trying to think of who would have been, you know, in the seventies would have been like a big, uh, powerful sports writer, Herman Bisher, something, Bisher. You know, Jenkins, everything, because <laughs> that's the way it worked. Like, so one of my biggest gripes in golf history is that sports writers like got together and decided that like the Western Open was no longer a major, and they're like, you know, Sarah's are like just lost like all of the majors that he had sort of won, like. It's just the, the fact that like you could win like a bunch of majors like back in the day and then all of a sudden they didn't count, you know, like it's just crazy to me. But that was sports writers that decided that. Well, now we got bloggers and podcasters coming around to make force it back into match play. Yeah. I love it. The last time I played golf, I got to the course without my greater than. Sure enough, I had a, a back nine fade after an even par 35 on the front, put up a nice little 41 on the back. The best way to fight fatigue on the golf course is, is to stay hydrated, and the best way to stay hydrated is with Greater Than. Check out Greater Than at drinkgt.com and use the promo code THEFRIEDEGG for 20% off your first order. That's drinkgt.com. So let's, let's, get, let's get this train back on, on, on track. And we, we, got a, we got a really good question here from uh, Sean Roadhorst. Does Rory stink? Oh my gosh! I, I I enjoyed your note in the newsletter this morning about how 
That like, was that was Will Knight. Oh, Will Knight! How his wedges are just like they're inexcusable, disgrace. It was very strong language. I, I liked it. Like it's like this can't go on much longer. <laughs> Rory in fourteen. I looked this up a while back. He was like proximity to the hole, like or like from one hundred and twenty-five yards. He was like fourth in strokes gained, and he's never been. Uh, that is the only year that he's ever been in like the top 100 so like how did that one outlier like what was he doing that year that made him so much better was it the wedges he was playing was it the ball was it you know just the way that he sort of uh i I don't know like looked at that like what was happening that one year that he was so good at it why can't he be like just half of that why can't he like rank like 50th in strokes gained from 120 yards so one one thing is that I feel like uh, the majority of the PGA Tour has caught up to Rory's prodigious length, and we saw that yesterday at uh, when we were watching uh, the Bridgestone. You know, everybody was hitting the ball 400 yards. Like, it's not a big thing anymore. So Rory used to get wedge opportunities where nobody else got them, and now everybody gets wedge opportunities. That's a big part of it. Um, I don't know that that that. <laughs> what's what's going on over there? Sorry, as, as I was typing some things, is that, that showing up on the podcast here? I apologize. <laughs> you got to put throw the mute on if you're going to just hammer away. <laughs> I, I just wanted to continue to make this a, the top quality production that it always has been. You were filling in for Smart and admirably in that aspect. <laughs> Darn it! I, I was so close, and now yeah, that's oh, that's. that's- that's part of the tradition. Uh, it's a, this is a casual conference call vibe. Always has been. Uh, I yeah that, that. What why are why are Rory's wedges so like? Why can't they be what they are in fourteen? Does he need to watch some film? Do we need to get him those old Nike wedges, those Nike Vapor things or whatever they were? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. It's just a different. <laughs> the 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 Sunday fade was really kind of disappointing i thought for sure like i think he see so i think he walked out of 14 thinking like wow there's really just like i am the guy of the next era yeah and then speed came along so fast and like ran away with the masters won the u.s open and now like whatever dj kind of got his acting gear a little bit more justin thomas all of a sudden like i think he's just i think he's i mean this is getting like kind of far afield from the wedges specific wedges issue. But like, I just, I don't think he expected it to be this competitive, this fast. I think he thought he was kind of, I don't know, to use a, whatever, like a hackneyed term. Now the alpha of the next kind of generation. And I think that really got a lot deeper, a lot faster than he anticipated walking out of 2014. Yeah. It's, uh, it's fascinating. Like he's, uh, his approach to green numbers have declined like his rank every year since 2014. You know, he was like habitually, you know, one of the best on tour and, you know, where he was top 30 guys strokes gained approach. And now he's, you know, in the sixties and seventies in strokes gained approach. And I, I just have, I, I always think back, it's like, I think Shackelford had a post up this uh, 
last night on his site about, you know, distance numbers and how like last year, 10 guys hit averaged over 310 and this year, 15 guys have averaged over 310. And that's, and we haven't even gotten to the part of the season where they hit the ball the furthest, which is the FedEx cup. When the courses are more dialed in, they aren't as wet. So like we're on, on a record pace of guys. So more and more guys hit the ball really far, which was Rory's like big thing. I mean, Rory's the greatest, you know, probably the greatest driver of the golf ball of this generation. And I think that that skill is becoming more commoditized with today's game of golf, you know, and that's not as big of a differentiator. It's a huge differentiator from like the short guys on tour to the long guys, but there's way more long guys now than there ever were before. So it becomes more about which guys are really long and, and also just as elite with their wedges or, you know, putter. So does he stink? No, he doesn't stink. <laughs> that was the question. He, no, I think I think he. Well, I think putting is in his head. Like I, I wish okay. that he had more committed to that uh, sort of facts and method of like, ah, hell, I screw it. I'm just going to be athletic and just putt. And where he, where he won Bay Hill and was like, uh, I, that's the Rory that I think he, he needs to find that center again and. You know, eventually over time, if he's able to feel comfortable in that, it's when he's to me, it's when he overthinks, overreads it. Just yeah. be aggressive, hit it a few feet past if you have to, make those coming back. You'll be fine. You're going to give yourself enough chances. I, I want to be Rory's mental coach. That's what I want to be. I would, he needs a social media person and a mental coach. I would tell Rory what I do is I, I've started to sing Comfortably Numb by Pink Floyd while I hit any type of golf shot. Interesting. It's actually been liberating. You know, I haven't been the playing Van very... Morrison, the Van Morrison cover version or the um, one the actual Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd. I love, uh, I love the Van Morrison cover version. Yeah, it's it's actually been you know it it, it gets my mind. I putted better because I don't think about putting. You know, nice. I've always struggled with putting. So it's uh so uh so who are you guys picking for this week? Good question. <sighs> Like I wouldn't be surprised if Rory won. Like he'd yeah. be in my list of four favorites. Totally. I think as as wacky as his season has been, as much as he sort of regressed in uh, on Sunday, he's definitely I think trending in better direction. Like he played really well at the Open, and so uh, you know he just wasn't quite good enough uh, on Sunday. Was kind of too far back. But I'm gonna pick a wild horse or whatever. I'm gonna say Patrick Cantlay. I think it's we're due for like a surprise PGA Tour winner, like a not. Uh, we're we're going to get back to back majors of guys who you would not have necessarily thought were going to win a major until they did. Interesting. I like that. Um, I, I didn't say Justin Thomas, but now like after Firestone, I feel like that's too facile, like too easy to do. Um, I don't have my pick yet. It's Monday night. I got to figure this out. I, I, I mean, I, what about Paul Casey? Okay. Eh, I got to sell myself on him. <laughs> you talked yourself out of it already. I'm going to probably stay with Justin Thomas. I think that's the smartest and best play. It feels like the PGA could be his major. Yeah. Like for the whatever decade I, based on news. Real quickly, and is Justin Thomas, can Justin Thomas win the Masters? And the open championship with his current game. Like, does his game need to evolve a little bit more, or 
am I just like overthinking this and that he's, you know, he, he just hasn't gotten in contention in either of those majors. Yes. I think he can win with, I, I, I think Justin Thomas is unbelievably good. I obviously as evidenced by his what eight wins over the last two years now. Yeah. But I think just when you look at his game, his career arc and like how he's progressed and how he's improved, like I think he's in the top 40 of every strokes gained metric. So off the tee approach around the green and putting and that I mean, if he does three of them well in a week, nobody has a chance. Yeah. And that's what we saw at Firestone. You know, he drove it great and he wedged it great. Like who, how are you going to beat that guy? Yeah. So if Rory, Rory, Jason Day, and JT, like I feel like that's like your PGA, like, like you like designed a PGA Championship player in a lab. Like those are your like the guys you, especially for even this week. Those are, that's like the perfect kind of player for this kind of test. See our conversation. This is what's great about this PGA is our conversation earlier about like who has the most game because I think what we just talked about with Rory, Rory could have the most game. Yeah, you know that's not not a bad point. JT, of- JT, if he wins, he's one major behind Spieth. Yeah, and I think well, Jason Day, if he wins, could completely reset the last few years of like all of a sudden him. Jason Day having two majors, like he should have at least two majors by now. He's he was the number one player in the world for a while. Like he was by far and away the, when he won that PGA, he was by far and away the best player in the world in that moment. Like wh- that guy, whatever happened to him, like. There's injury or just you can't sustain it being the guy who swings it look, out of your shoes every single time. Uh, I don't know. I think that would it would reset a lot about Jason Day, I think, in our minds. Yeah. they say So I would say Jason Day also. Yeah. Like he would that second win in a major ties him for second most of an Australian all time with Greg Norman. Yeah. Like he's only behind Peter Thompson then. Um, yeah. I mean, Dustin Johnson, same thing, you know. Second major for DJ is huge. You know, yeah. he, he's beyond. I, I don't get excited about a DJ regular PGA Tour win anymore. Yeah. Like, it, when, it's, yeah. It's time for some majors for DJ. It's, it, that's what's the only thing that's going to get me excited about him. I think it, I, him hitting 400 yard drives doesn't excite me, but him winning like another major would be, would be great. Here's why the PGA Championship is underrated because 20 years. From now. Full <laughs> yeah. 20 years from now, we don't like, we don't look at like players and say, well, they won three PGAs. So those count as one and a half majors. Yeah. They all count the exact same. Yeah. It's true. So I think PGA yeah. should count for 0.75 majors personally, <laughs> but the US Open should count for like one and a half. That's what I was going to say. I mean, like, I was going to go the other direction with your day take. If he has a whistling straights in Bell Reeve major, it counts as one. <laughs> but, but but you would say that now. But you know when when Brendan Porath is is writing about golf and and has you know some acute liver damage from all the monsters he's drank over the years, he will remember Jason Day. He'll be writing about the good old days when players weren't like Jason Day now. You know. Like, let me tell you about how great Jason Day was. You're right. You're right. Oh, you cold hammer fans. You're whatever. What's like? You're right. It's uh, 
All right, so uh, I, I'm I'm going to go with the uh, Kepka. I'm I'm rooting for Kepka. I'm all in on this. I really want the three major winner with one PGA Tour win, and I think he putted so bad. Putting is is a week to week thing. Um, he hit the ball great at at Firestone, and I I just I think Bell Reeve sets up so perfect for him. I guess the rough is really really thick, so I don't I just don't see anybody that doesn't hit it. 310 plus winning this week can i ask you what do you what do you think like we're looking at for scores this week like is this like he's talked about how he like he's perfectly cool just hitting into the middle of the greens and and playing out uh uh, obviously he wanted aaron hills with scores were you know part of the matter but scores were better like what do you see kind of this championship being i think six to twelve is my guess if that's is that too big of a range it's a big if, it, if it's a small <laughs> if you no. want me to tighten it up i'll go eight to twelve so, okay that's yeah. pretty standard for pga right like it's pretty yeah. rare for a pga to be you know one to five or like deeper than you know yeah jason day what set the records what did jason day get to 20 or something he got to 20 but then i think he bogeyed the last didn't he to get it to 19 or something yeah uh, i don't yeah. finish 20 finish 19 or something it's it's just it's thick uh, you know like the rough's really thick it's 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 not like it's not an easy golf course it's going to be soft um most likely the greens that's a that's something that's interesting is that the members haven't been playing on the greens all year yeah like they've oh, been closed all year for it like they've been playing to temporary greens because i think last year as i understand it uh last year they lost the greens and then when you know media hit the ground this week you know there or today i saw a lot of people taking pictures of the greens and being like this doesn't look that good so it might not be like i don't know the the putting might be a little bit it'll be interesting to see how the conditions are like you're not going to be dealing with like i think a pristine putting you know green that you see at a lot of PGA Tour events or like the Masters, like that's not going to be Bell Reeve this week. So I mean, I know groundskeepers are kind of your constituents. I never feel like uh, that's like one of the hardest jobs. Like I never, yeah, it's like impossible. Like the people are just always bitching about something or other. I just like, I mean, how? It's, it's I don't know. It's that can't St. happen if you have a major. I mean, like, well, you know, it's coming. It's St. Louis in August, right? I know nothing. Yeah. It's just not not a, a great time. Like if you want to play golf in 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 St. Louis, like October's great, um, May's great. Like August is it's kind of bad. It's gonna be as Gary said. It's gonna be very hot. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't I, believe you guys got Gary Player on this podcast. This is an amazing <laughs> get. I mean, I don't know what he doesn't even own a cell phone, right? He just called in. That was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, I, 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 I'm sure the media will blow it out of proportion. Is all I'll say because that's what you know. We get we get worked up about fescue being chopped back a few feet. You know, just what we get upset. What we what we feed on. So, what's your guys' favorite uh, PGA memory of the last like five PGAs? Mm-hmm. Five PGAs. Uh, man. That, that's that's unfair. I, just, I had you know, it's easy to queue it up if you can take the whole uh, accounting of things. Yeah, I had to I had oh. to eliminate uh, Tiger Bob May from any consideration. 
Jimmy Walker playing lift, clean, and place on uh, <laughs> 36 holes on Sunday to win his the first major <laughs> under lift, clean, and place. So fitting. <laughs> I covered that solo. None of you all were there. So you don't get to talk about the Jimmy Walker experience, all right? That's like you don't talk about a war that you didn't serve in. I was there. <laughs> For that, <laughs> that was. I still have to talk to my therapist about the straw. <laughs> right. uh, Man, I mean, Rory dusting the field in Kiowa was pretty amazing. We were talking, Andy and I were talking about it in the podcast last time about how Rory went like 66, 675, yeah. 6, 668. <laughs> like, it was the most Rory major ever, maybe. Just that one horrendous round and then just completely boat raced everyone. I like I like my favorite memory is like burned Wiesberger like just barely existing in 2014 <laughs> like literally just not even he's like a marker for the final group like, like you got Ricky Phil like playing ahead and then like Wiesberger is just there I feel, I felt terrible for the guy all of a sudden he's got to play up the 18th in the dark like that uh, that that was a memorable moment though that 18th sure. at dark you know yeah. Oh yeah, that's a legit. That's I don't think best. people like really realize how close Rory was to hitting in the water off that tee shot. Like that shot was like three feet from being in the water and completely blowing that PGA for him because he was insistent on hitting that tee shot, but it wasn't. It stayed up, and then he bullied Phil into playing through. That that moment sticks with me, but I I go back to the Kiowa PGA and I think about Ernie's tough luck in majors all the time where he finished runner-up to VJ and Tiger in like three or four consecutive majors back yeah. in the day. I mean, David Lynn finished runner-up to Rory. <laughs> <laughs> I hope we can get David Lynn on the next week's podcast and talk about the slander that he faced. <laughs> now, two Friday podcasts in a row, David Lynn's uh, I mean. Career- tossed in the dumpster he would go right alongside like sean mckeel as as the most obscure major champions of all time yeah that was absolutely true i don't remember anything else that david lynn ever did in his career other than finish runner-up in that major don't you think we're i mean as much as we talk about like this is going to be set up for someone who hits 300 yards has that kind of eliminated those like surprise majors and some like uh, will we ever see a ben curtis win a major again or sean McKeel or like a total like a guy who's ranked outside the top you know 100 basically i mean it wasn't ben curtis like ranked 500th in the world or something in that moment when he won yeah um yeah i mean win a date with todd hamilton todd hamilton hybrids uh all the way around that i don't think anybody's gonna ever win a major hitting hybrids into par fours anymore or or, (laughs) yeah uh, I I think that's a good point. I I don't know. It's it's uh, God. It seems less prevalent, but I have to look at it. I, I try and think of the last like super fluky major winner we had. I mean, like Jimmy Jimmy Walker. As much shit as you want to give him, was like a legit yeah superstar talent. I mean, not super. I mean, legit top of the world talent. So that's that's the thing is like we haven't had. Uh, I mean, Danny Willett and Jimmy Walker are. I mean, the last, the next one would be, I mean, Duffner. I wouldn't consider Duffner really fluky either. No, he's good. He was good. Yeah. Keegan was kind of fluky, right? I mean, 
nobody really knew who Keegan was. He wasn't like he had a great amateur career or like anything that you would, you know, that that was kind of out of the blue. And Keegan has progressed in the to kind of what it was. <laughs> is, is Cabrera a fluke in the sense that he That's won it. two two majors? <laughs> <laughs> is it a fluke that happened twice? Two majors and a military tribute. Like he's never actually won an event. Regular event. <laughs> the military tribute. It's. Uh, I mean, that's a, that's the thing. Is uh, there's there haven't been many fluky. That could be a byproduct of it. Of yeah. the the there is less uh, variability in the golf tournament because it's almost a prerequisite to hit it 300 yards unless you're Zach Johnson. I hope Kepka's career finishes with like five majors and two PGA Tour victories. Like, that's, that's what I'm saying. It it could be ideal. Like I mean, is that's kind of a crazy thing to have happen? Yeah. Is it because? So what, do you, I, what do you think it says more about him or the tour? I don't know that you answer that. I think it says more about the PGA Tour. Really? Yeah. I think that it shows that the setups are soft, and that it it. it I don't think it necessarily. I think when when you play true championship golf, it it really usually identifies the the big dogs and and who's the best players in the world at that time. I think when and I, I maybe I'm overblowing majors. I don't know, but like his major record and his PGA Tour record, th- there's something wrong there. You know, the guy is a just an absolute beast in major championships. He was really good on the on the European tour too, and then you know on the on the PGA tour, like he's like average. He's like a middle of the road PGA tour player. I don't know. I mean, Tiger used to say he had no interest in playing the birdie fests, or, you know, where he had to shoot twenty to win. He wanted to play the hard ones, but he still won. He won so often that I don't know that that really the facts quite I, add up. Like, I think you can never consider Tiger Woods in any. You know, comparison yeah. to anybody. Yeah, like that's it's it's crazy, but I, I don't know. I I, I I guess like that's like I know that the the thing with the tour is that they have parameters that they set a tournament up in, and everything's within a certain parameter, and nothing goes outside the box. Yeah, you know, and I would say that the major championship setups are typically outside of that parameter box that the PGA Tour has. I think they should start giving <clears throat> more control over to uh, like title sponsors to do like course setup. Ooh. Start getting things real tricked up, all weird. <laughs> you got like you got like big Jim Justice walking in, nice. you know, putting like windmills on you know holes. And, like, it just they should just start like seeding. Tours should start seeding control to like the horse, the the host uh, sponsor and course. So, so you just uh, that C, well, you know, the CEO interview on Sundays would be a lot more interesting too. There you go. But that's be real dangerous because you can't just seed it to the like the wild CEOs. Then you got to seed it to all CEOs, and some of those CEOs are like the most boring, whitest dudes in the country. So, like, what if they set up the most vanilla setup possible? Like they already, or maybe they already are doing that kind of thing. Like it, it's possible the setups could get worse in that scenario. It's a big, it's a big risk from Borat there. <laughs> yeah, sure. Maybe Bob Parsons wants to sponsor a tournament and make it like crazy kaboom baby on every hole. But, you know, they, they he might make it you know mandatory to to become a troop for the week. 
You got like the guy from Valspar, like going like Boise, Boise State on the greens, like making them different colors. Just just get get a little wacky. (laughs) All right, um, let's uh, let's get into overrated, underrated. Unless you guys have any uh, parting things or thoughts that you want to talk about about the PGA. No, no. I mean, this. this, I was more like we're doing the St. Louis thing. I was like my enthusiasm for this was like a. Like an eight, eight and eight, seven and nine, Jeff Fisher Ram season. But I, I've like I've come around to it. Like more of the you know your ten and six Steelers season, maybe fast to show and turn. You know, whatever. Maybe okay. we'll get some good players and like Mart's era kind of yeah. Ram. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like just letting Mark Bulger get creamed. Uh... Like a crappy NFC West division title, but like an early exit in the playoffs. So you know, I just I look at these the players and I look at so many of them, if they don't win a major, if they don't win this major, like you could make a case that they've had a really bad season. Yeah. You know, and there's so many big names that didn't, haven't won a major, like just because of the way it is now with so many superstars in quotes Mm -hmm. and so few majors that this is, that's the captivating thing about, about the PGA's. It's Glory's last chance, you know. <laughs> last shot. I think maybe maybe PJ Championship underrated. This is major. <laughs> we talked we, at the beginning. We sort of were kind of down on the PGA, and now we've really talked ourselves into it being super important. Well, that's the thing. It's a major championship, and those are special, and they're only four weeks a year. Like as much as apathy as you can have about different things around it, like it's a major championship, and there are only four a year. Yep. Not to not to bring this uh, not to bring this ship down, but TNT overrated, underrated. I'm gonna I'm gonna punt on this. I don't know that I'm allowed to comment on other networks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I uh, I do not need to punt. Um, <laughs> I I mean TNT like before we, before bashing coverage became a thing. TNT was annually the worst broadcast of the year, like yeah. annually. And like they're in a tight spot. You got to like cater to the the host organization. So you get the things with like, you know, the playing tips from Michael Breed, just kind of hammering you over the head when, you know, players are actually playing golf, you know, you do the PGA professional stuff. Like you, you got to kind of serve the host organization, but like, it's just, it it's, I mean, the experts before I started doing this for a living would always say it was the worst broadcast of the year. And I think it's kind of held that mantle. It's just a lot of commercials, a lot of just like fluff mixed in. Um, I, I love Ernie Johnson. He's great. It's just it's just a different you get like the CBS production with a lot of kind of PGA of America fluff. It's, it's not great. Yeah, it's 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 abysmal. I mean, TNT knows drama, but they do not know how to showcase golf drama. Um, I don't think I don't think you should be allowed to telecast a golf event if you don't telecast any other golf events for an entire year. Like you're just not going to be good at it. Yeah. Like like Tiger says, you need reps. That's true. Like it is. Let alone a major. Yeah, that's true. We've talked. Our friend Shane Bacon talks about how much better that their crew is now that they've gotten to do like the USAM and the women's am and the, you know, like the, even that uh, thing where the PGA professionals go out and play against one another. Like you just, 
you do it together a lot and you get better at it. You're right. You can't be good unless you actually, you know, get the reps. So. Sounds like they're getting that Tiger versus Phil match, by the way. TNT. Oh. Hey, they know drama. I can't wait for that match because then, you know, it'll be like the NBA playoffs where I fall asleep with the, the coverage on and I wake up and charm do- charms on. Well, that's <laughs> <laughs> that's the other thing. You know how Fox goes like Fox goes live at 9 a.m. Like TNT comes on at like 11. Yeah. You know, Tiger goes off at 820 and like we have to watch four episodes of SVU and <laughs> You know, Charmed and Bones and all this other like TNT like doesn't have stuff going on on Thursday and Friday morning, but like they just like bleed you out and wait until like eleven a.m. I think. I really enjoyed the part where Porath gave like a really nuanced long thing, and then Andy was just like, "Yeah, it's abysmal." <laughs> <laughs> abysmal is the, is the word of the podcast. All right, let's do more overrated, underrated. Overrated, underrated. Nelly. Nelly. Uh, I had to hear a lot of Nelly having covered the Ravens for all those years. That was Ray Lewis's thing. He'd come out to hot in here. And so I definitely got weary of it. Uh, definitely would say overrated. But I did hear like a like a Glee Club version of uh, hot in here once that was like really enjoyable. It made me like rethink it. So um, not going to like completely trash it. But uh, mostly I'd say overrated. Well. Yeah, I mean, talking about hot in here is like talking about like 20, 2015 Tiger Woods versus like 2000. Like, now, I don't know why hot in here became a big thing. Like, um, Country Grammar is one of the greatest rap songs of all time. I remember exactly where I was yeah. when I heard it for the first time. Air Force Ones is good. Batter up. <laughs> the fish don't fry in the kitchen. <laughs> i remember being a sophomore in high school country grammar came on yeah like remember exactly like that song like whatever it got played a lot but if you listen to that now like you would still think that's good oh yeah drafting I mean, about high school straight to the pros i mean huh. <laughs> nelly nelly for that song alone is underrated like that is one of, that is an all-time Nelly, Nelly yeah. I was about the same age, and I'll never forget. My buddy had like one of the first disc drives that could rewrite CDs, so he yeah. he just burned all of our buddies, you know, Nelly country grammar. Yeah, and we, I mean, we blasted that. I, Nelly, Nelly's got a special place in my heart, even though Thanks. it's from St. Louis. Yeah. I will say, St. Louis, way underrated. I'm a huge Cubs fan, but man, they, they love Cardinal baseball way more than like any. It's even healthy to love it, you know. Sure. So yeah. good sports city, actually. So uh, um, overrated, underrated slogans for major championships. <laughs> uh, uh, overrated, of course. I mean, this is like the issue is when you you try to find something that's subjective and like force it down our throat and make it objective. Like there's just like this, you know, glory's last shot is just like, it's just like a nonsense, like subjective, crazy marketing term live under par. Like what, who, who got paid to do that? Like you just, you get, you, you, 
just just say we have the strongest field in golf. That's an objective truth. They invite we have the strongest field in major championship golf. They invite the top 100 every year without fail. Mm-hmm. Like that, just like you don't need to say this is major. You don't need to say like glory's last shot. Like the problem is you get these marketing term marketing people. Like that's how you get from the toughest test in golf to now the ultimate test in golf for the U.S. Open. Like like it's just stop trying to like play with words and just say what you are. I love it. All right. I would say underrated in their uh, like mockery. Like I enjoy, <laughs> I enjoy making lots of wisecracks about, uh, I, you know, I, I sent a note to Kyle Porter this year and I was like, Hey, are you going to be at the fifth major for the PGA? And he's like, fifth, we're like the seventh. <laughs> so I want to be, I'm going to hashtag a bunch of stuff like seventh major, <laughs> what, what 2018 seventh major champion is, uh, Sanders Shoffley. What was worse? Uh, what was worse? Glory's last shot or this is major? This is major. It's not even close. I mean, oh, I, I don't know. I think Glory's last shot is horrible. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Glory's last shot is so like, oh, just like treacly and purple, like dumb. It's like a Jim Nance, Jim Nanceism. But this is major is so so base and stupid. I mean, I. And, I'm not sure. Like, I think we've overinflated like that that thing's history. I, I, did that last more than like a year? I think yeah. it lasted like a year, but like it will last forever in our hearts and minds. Someone built a second home in Malibu based on this is major. <laughs> <laughs> that's infuriating. Like, you can't be that hard to be a marketing guy. If that's what you come if live under par, and this is major, and Glory's last shot are like winning campaigns. <laughs> yeah, it, it, like anything. Usually things are the best when they just naturally happen. Right. So right. they should just let it naturally go. Um, I think they're starting to do that. I think they started to realize. Like, yeah. Hey, we, yep. it's like the, the, why there's a backlash to the President's Cup and, and why, you know, people hate when you say that the players are the fifth major. Because <laughs> if you try and force something, yeah. it's not going to work out. Um, uh, it, you know, we haven't talked about Tiger at all, which is kind of <gasps> absurd. <laughs> surprising actually yeah hey, uh, does he have tiger. any does he have any shot this week tiger season overrated underrated 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 i didn't I think mean, that guy was uh, ever gonna play golf again like t- 10 months ago he led a major on the back nine on sunday he Ooh. made the cut oh. at the masters he like he's you know, playing the- golf like that is <laughs> so exciting he's, he's a top he's had a top 25 player in the world type season Without totally. a win. Totally. Do you guys ever get angry tweets from about people who are like, why are you talking so much about Tiger? Like, it's oh, amazing. Yeah. It's amazing how sure. short-sighted those are. Like, oh, my God. Like, of course I'm going to talk about Tiger. Like, he was, he could barely walk a year ago, and he was leading a major this year. Like, that's nuts. I, we don't only talk about Tiger. God, we just spent an hour talking about agronomy and stuff. Like, <laughs> which, but, you know, it's, I mean, I, it's it's I, I spent a long time like following him around the beginning of the year and that's why I was in Riviera and like thinking and wrote a, like a 5,000 word essay and it was like you know got like a million views on our website like I, there a lot of people care about Tiger it's Tiger's important it's uh yeah I uh he's he's important I don't think he's gonna do well this week I don't think so I think he's gassed he's pretty tired he needs to take Take a couple weeks off. Get ready for that FedEx Cup playoff chase. 
Does he really need to get ready for that, though? No, he needs to make the Ryder Cup team, though. Is he on the Ryder Cup team? I'd rather yes. have him just take the whole FedEx Cup playoffs off. Wow, what an indictment yeah. FedEx Cup playoffs. I mean, like, it adds nothing to his career. This is the whole thing. Like, only thing that major matters for Tiger at this point forward is majors. Yes. That's the only thing that matters. Yeah. To a certain extent, like, that's where a lot of players get at the end of their career where like Phil, like another PGA tour win, it doesn't matter. Majors are the only thing that really matter. Yeah. I don't well, know. So, all right. I think Lavner had a good article today about how his, his swing speeds have gone down. Interesting. Every event, six, six miles per hour since the Honda and just every event really since Wells Fargo. And then a bunch of truthers started jumping in about how he switched to shaft and stuff like that. <laughs> crazy. But yeah, no, he's there's no reason for him to play the FedEx Cup. None. No. None. Especially when it could mean like going into the Ryder Cup he played whatever, six times and seven of them. Like it's just there's no reason. Yeah. I I mean, I think he's a lock for the Ryder Cup as is, assuming he's healthy. So I don't think that's that's changing anything. So all right, guys, uh, we will talk to you soon. Um, enjoy the PGA. And, uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. All right. Andy, pleasure. Always. Number two in the books for me. Woo! Suck <laughs> it, Martin. <laughs> You've been listening to the Fried Egg Podcast. We do the digging for you. 